0: Hey, everybody. It is Richard Harris and Scott Lease with another 2023 edition of the Surf and Sales podcast. Uh, super excited today to uh, speak with Daniel Weiner, who I've known for years. I know, Scott, you've known him. Um, and for Less years. Less years than you. Well, that's just because I'm older. So yeah. That's the whole thing. So before we bring Daniel on, uh, quick shout out to HubSpot for reaching out to Austin saying, Hey, we want to put you on the HubSpot podcast network. So that's kind of cool. Uh, We appreciate them doing that. Obviously it means there's probably some other cool sales podcasts over there. We want to check out. Um, And don't forget, we have surfing sales coming up in May of 2023. Um, Still with a couple of slots left, this whole podcast is dedicated to convincing Daniel to come. Um, So he didn't know he was going to get pitched super hardcore and uh, we'll go from there. So Daniel, welcome. Want to give folks the, the quick background of your context? You know, you're this awesome, amazing AI, chat
1: GPT type founder. So tell them what you're up to and what's going on. Yeah. Thanks, Richard, and uh Richard and Scott. Thank you both for, for having me on today, guys. Uh cool, cool to be here. Um everybody, I'm Daniel Weiner. Uh people call me Daniel Weiner, but it's Daniel Weiner. That's that's right. Uh got a, a background in um B2B sales, my, my first gig out of college was at Oracle on their sales dev team. And uh fast forward, what, six, seven years now, um, I developed like a kind of obsessive passion, if you will, for a lot of the inefficiencies tied to what it means to be effective as a salesperson and as a professional, because in lots of ways you're kind of always selling yourself. So seeing where, um, seeing where AI was going a handful of years ago and, and getting really good at the monotonous workflow of, of research and message composition and pressing send on an email, crossing your fingers and hoping what comes back is a positive response. Um, doing that tens of thousands of times kind of helped me uh, develop this, this interest for um, like patterns that lie beneath it all. Uh, so jumped ship out of the the corporate tech world to start autobound with uh two of my best friends tanner and kyle tanner runs um kyle runs product tanner's our cto um and fast forward to now we are it's been really crazy to watch the whole generative ai craze um, take over recently so we're, we're thinking of ourselves as like uh the chat gpt for sales by making it really easy to write personalized sales emails so yeah, excited to share more about what we're working on and um, a bit of my background and story today as well.
2: You think that we will move beyond personalized sort of prospecting emails and more towards like personalized responses, follow ups, rebuttals, things like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, do I think that? Like, yeah, do you, our, you think it will,
2: it will? Do you think it will go? Will go that way further down funnel is what I'm getting at. Everybody's yeah. trying to automate the top of funnel things, but what about automating things that are more down funnel?
1: I think over time the entirety of it will be automated in some way, shape, or form.
2: The- Did you hear that, Richard? That's sci-fi. Yes. Like I've been telling you for like ten years. Yes, I'm the grumpy old man who says no way. So tell t- t- tell everybody why Richard's
1: wrong, Daniel. I mean, think think <laughs> about again. like you know pr- private equity companies invest millions or tens of millions into technology that can uh, make and execute trades in real time with no human involvement. Uh, They built like a marketplace around um, the the sale and purchase of assets without like people control the computers, but that that stuff happens without um, someone being super close in the loop. So I think over time, we'll see a lot of the same things across B2C and B2B sales where technology makes... A lot of the transactions and we're just pulling the puppet strings of the AI on top. but even at some point that I think will get uh, more and more turned into technology away from.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I do see it you know in, in the B2C world, business to consumer, this is already gone, this is already happening, right? I don't need I can spend a thousand bucks on an iPhone and not talk to a human. I could spend2500 or 3000 dollars on a television without talking to a human. I could spend, I don't know, what could you spend 10 grand on without
2: talking to a human either? You know, are we there yet? Anything you could buy ten thousand dollars worth worth of gym equipment and outfit your whole garage into a home gym. You never have to talk to anybody. Yep. You could
0: do that. Like is that kind of the progression you've been seeing?
1: Is that it feels right? Like feels like that's the right thing. Yeah, we'll see how quickly it all happens because I think in in lots of ways, especially at the enterprise, processes are still pretty antiquated as are like the slowness of buying cycles. So um, to to make the disruptive changes to a a sales and customer support org that is the transition away from human to human sales more towards automation, I think it's going to take some time. Uh, I think we're already seeing like by, by writing personalized sales emails automatically, we're we're um, automating, you know, 20 or 30% of the SDRs function, which they didn't want to do in the first place. But uh, like even, even that, there's a good deal of disruption and um, friction to adopt for large organizations. Um, I, so it, it'll be like a piecemeal approach. Like tech will continue to move really quickly, but it's also going to be a, a function of like, how quickly companies buy and implement.
0: I wonder if that slowdown is what I have seen for a long time, particularly at the SDR function, right? Like that's where everybody's seeing this right now is that as soon as it becomes completely automated, the VP of sales and CRO might freak out because they don't know how to fucking do that job anyway. So now having humans to blame goes away other than the person at the top of the place. And I wonder if that's some of the hidden reluctance for some of this automation. Although I think people are also finally seeing and recognizing, the messages are better, they do become more personable, and it can go faster to a degree. Um, but I—that's I, just my hypothesis. I don't know that I'm right about that.
2: We'll find. We'll find out. Find out. That's the
1: best way to say it. Like. Uh...
2: Changing gears a, a little bit. Let, let's talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is starting a business with your friends, which is a gnarly, <laughs> uh, you know, endeavor for for a lot of people. Some people just won't do it because they're like, not going to risk it. Some people do it and things go squirrely. Some people do it and it's the best thing ever. Now, are you just
0: saying how do I get out of doing business with Richard? Daniel well, that's the kind of
2: second advice? part of my question. The first part <laughs> for Daniel is really like: Were you worried about those things in starting the business? Or do you still
1: worry about them um, at all? Yeah, I'd say yes and yes, but less yeah. so, less so than I would with someone I didn't have that level of trust with. Uh, so for you, having that that level of trust
2: initially made it easier to start. The business versus like a total stranger type thing that you know you just totally. met you like you met this person like this person knows how to build incredible product but i've only known them for like six minutes You yeah. i'm going to go into business with them
1: even if you put two phenomenally bright people together if they don't mesh well like cu- culture is remarkably important at the well at all levels but like the founder too if it's just few folks in a room hashing it out stressed as shit about a million things if you're not getting along well and and speaking the truth and like you're bound to fail
2: so how do you pick which friends to go into business with because if you've got a decent number of if you've got a million friends like richard and everybody wants to work with you how do you figure out which ones to say yes to and which ones to be like no sure yeah i think it's what are they good at
1: like complementary skill sets you mean They um they more so have to complement the things you need to do well to be successful as a company than they have to complement what the founders do together, I think in a way. Like as long as you get along well, even if you're not both working out of Google Sheets, one person's in Excel or like uh one person's really harsh, the other's ultra nice. Like, I think those things are less important than the overall we're able to work together and like move the needle forward. Um what's gonna I, I think really make or break the company is like. Are they good in their function? You know, what needs to be done? Uh, it's like versatility is also pretty key because the so team's not a lot of hats. When, to have- yeah, so pushing on that, when, for you, right? And
0: you know, did you have to have this internal realization to say, I'm really good at this piece, but my partner's really good at this and we're going to discuss that. This is what you're going to own and this is what I'm going to own, which I think people do, but was it hard for you to have that realization about yourself? Because I think sometimes the egos get in the way, right? Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, and what did y'all decide? What, how did y'all decide that? Uh, great question. I think so. It, it was just Kyle and myself. So Tanner didn't join um, until after a, a year, year and a half in um, or CTO. So there were two non-technical co-founders running the ship for a while. Uh, and I, I talk about this death spiral of like not having enough money, to build enough product, to sell enough products, to prove enough traction, to raise enough money, to build enough product, sell enough product. So getting out of that, that um, horrific snowball early on is super tough to do. But Kyle and I said, um, I, I had a good deal of investor connections going into uh, the founding of Autobound. Uh, and Kyle has been a, a kick-ass salesperson with some product expertise before. So we just said, um, we talked about it for a bit and we're like, let's, the, the worst decision is indecision. so we, we made that move pretty quickly and uh, went head first into it.
0: That, and then, so when did y'all both realize like, okay, were you too overwhelmed with things that you needed to bring in Tanner, or was it, okay, now, you know, we're, yeah, we're in front of our skis a little bit too much, and we've done great here. Now it's time to do this. Or was that also
1: a hard discussion? As first-time non-technical co-founders, it's uh it's difficult to attract caliber. It's it's difficult to attract someone like Tanner really early on. Cause they're that that type of person might be making a quarter million, half a million or more uh at a at a big tech company. So pulling them in for, I mean, Kyle and I took no salary for the first like nine months. Uh it's it's tough to convince someone like that. So we, we actually cycled through. Um, two CTOs prior, like getting off the ground. Um, and it was a mixture of like skill set fit, culture fit. Um, like I was telling you, Scott, like that has to be super, super strong. Yeah. Across the founders. Um, so we got really good advice from, um, uh, A guy named Mike who ran um, Carbon Black, which sold to VMware, was like an informal advisor to us for a while and really technical, brilliant guy, helped us think through the type of person that we needed as like our third co-founder and running technology. Um, And Tanner had, you know, he hadn't done like the the startup thing necessarily before nor had he he been a CTO, but um, we had the culture fit. He was, and he is like, freaking incredibly scrappy and knows this problem space now really well, but also the tech that you have to build. Um, So we we were searching for that person for a while.
0: So what is, when you say culture fit, right? Because I think this is so true, you know, sales and business, you know, we have this, we still have the bro thought. People think about being social and then we think about technical people and we think they're introverted and they're quiet and that's not necessarily the case. And, And since you cycled through a couple of CTOs, What defined culture fit for the two of you? Um, We had a beer with this guy and he could talk to us without
1: talking over
0: us. Like, what did that mean?
1: No, I think it's more of a, uh, a mutual respect and so good, good communication. So like you, you can kind of infer what somebody else wants of you at all times. And you're, uh, you're easy to communicate with, to help. I mean, that's kind of vague. But a lot of people aren't good at like, you know, we've got 30 problems on the list today. Can we have a, like a real true conversation about each one of them or, or you know, the top, the top five? Um, it's less like, is this person down to go out on a Saturday and have four or five drinks and like be buddy-buddy? Um, yeah, I'd say like effective communication is huge. And for us, this is at least one of like the tenets I think is super important in running a startup is it's it's super binary it's zero zero or one you're either all in or you're all not you're all out so the the folks we worked best with whether this is a function of as ceo or something that other startups experience too is like we need freaking like go-getters people who are super hungry determined to work that aren't going to you know log on at nine off at five like that kind of thing just i don't think supports um, the quick development and, and hunger of like the startup that you have to how have. How did you, how
2: did you prepare yourself for that? Because, you know, you mentioned that you started your sales career at Oracle and I could be wrong, but my perception of Oracle and the environment and people that I've known from there is the antithesis of some of what you're talking about in terms of the desire, the passion, The hustle and all that. It's a totally different beast building a startup than working inside of a massive machine like Oracle.
1: Yeah, um, no shade on Oracle, but it's not a (laughs) well-oiled machine. Like a lot of what, a lot of the, uh, I've got like this vivid memory to being shocked and odd that a company with at that point, 55 billion in cash could have that many problems with, a sales org they just put 800 people into like it felt like they'd have everything figured out dialed in um i i wouldn't relate my like uh drive and passion that i'm running out of bandwidth with anything i learned from oracle like more, what i learned from oracle is like holy shit this problem is freaking huge yeah choose up sales and prospecting and um how companies go to market. Like the more friends I had that I spoke to who were in B two B as well, I was like, damn! Like every single person is struggling with this. It's not just Oracle, but even they haven't figured it out yet.
2: And so then- put, so now you get so many people struggling with with these problems and challenges, and you you enter a space that is hot right now, but arguably starting to get crowded. How do you differentiate yourself? from the noise from everybody else there I, my assumption would be this is one of the the challenging challenging things to do like richard and i start an event business how do we stand out well our assumption was well if we go small instead of big and if we go to the beach instead of the marriott that's a differentiator right so how do you how do you think about that does it does it fire you up did it fire you up to like see the category kind of being validated by all these other people jumping in or is it like should i really do this there's already people here how do you think
1: about all that well we've been doing it before the category really blew up um we started working on this uh back in like 2019 Mm -hmm. uh i think uh Generative AI technology being made far more available has made it much easier for teams like us and others to build more quickly, and I think that acceleration curve is going to continue to uh, get steeper and steeper, or or more more easy to build like new innovative tech off of. Um, if I had to think about like differentiation, we that that's part of why we focused solely, at least initially, on let's let's do like hyper personalized cold sales emails is that something that like literally every single BDR SDR struggles with and whether or not they admit it or not, like account executives and customer success reps do as well. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. Other people are doing like we're doing marketing content and blogs and social media posts and LinkedIn posts. Um, So the, uh, the defensibility in in my opinion comes around or comes down to like data acquisition. You need a lot of good data to better train um, the large language models for more specific use cases. That's, what we started doing with focusing on personalized cold sales emails and from what we're seeing, um, we're getting some of the best feedback out there for us doing that. But long-term back to what you were asking before, like how much of the sales process will be more automated? Is it just first touch or is it the negotiation objection handling through the funnel? Um, The company with the strongest go to market uh, or sorry, the, the company that's, um, got the best content, I think like paired with the right feature set to facilitate like a really easy adoption and their go-to-market is going to be the one that takes the cake. In my opinion, uh, it has to be super freaking easy to use, um, so the, the PLG motion lends itself well to that. Uh, and I think we're like the, the more companies in this space pushing towards that's it's, it's exciting. It's, you know, nerve wracking at the same time because. You know, Outreach has their announcement in two weeks or their release in a couple of weeks with personalized, um, I don't know how personalized they'll be, but like AI for sales emails. Zoom Info is posting about Zoom Info chat functionality with um, that embedded into their OS. Uh, Salesforce has been quiet, but um yeah they're just gonna buy somebody and ruin it in my opinion (laughs) that's what they did last
0: time i guess but that that being said for anybody at salesforce daniel will be happy to sell
1: (laughs) Yeah, i I think they've got a treasure chest of of data and like it it wouldn't be yeah so we, we just launched an interface on on salesforce so there's there's a lot of cool stuff you can do inside the crm um That's part of what I'm really excited for too. Like CRMs weren't built for salespeople. But now that there's tools that easily analyze data really quickly, like all of a sudden, the same stuff that I used to spend hours searching through and reports and whatnot inside of Salesforce, you can pull up in freaking two seconds or make value out of. Dude, I
0: think you just I think you just rename, not renamed your company, but you came up with your subject line, your your tagline, which is, you know, CRMs weren't really built for salespeople. Yeah, not at all. That is a great quote. Um, Scott doesn't use one and it's
2: well known. And I talk about it whenever I can. His, yeah. He's cause there. I'm a, cause I'm a salesperson and it wasn't built for me. Right. So I was, uh, I've been ahead of the curve. Right. As always, as always,
0: he's ahead of the curve. <laughs> um, you know, do you, you know, the validation, right. Of this chat GPT, like just what's exploded in the last four or five months and, and everybody's rushing to it.
2: Um,
0: one of the things I'm always curious about, and I'm curious to your opinion of, is, hey, it can go write some really cool stuff. That's good. It can encourage that piece. As long as there's an actual conversation, do you see? When do you see the AI becoming so good it can tell us buyer intent? Meaning, if if Daniel's pitching to me, right, and you want to try and engage, well, is Richard really interested or not interested? Right. And then you combine that with maybe an email that we've had, right? So the recall recording plus the emails plus this. Are we even there yet? Or is that the next step? Or we're we're past that, Richard, and you're just not paying attention.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the measurement of buyer intent is actually pretty it involves the generative AI hype we're hearing about, but I, I think it's more like um like the the predictive AI side, looking at huge amounts of data that's not necessarily just text or voice, but more um, company attributes and what's happening in their market, their industry, blended with like the cool stuff that Sixth Sense and Bombora and G2 are doing with like measuring site traffic and who's searching for what. Um, That I think will take a bit longer to come to like, fruition of predicting a sale or knowing exactly who to reach out to that's ready to buy your product right now with some degree of certainty. I'm um, not
0: even, I'm not even looking at it from the prospecting side, right? Like I like that idea of like, okay, statistically, you know, we think this might be someone you should contact. Like I, I could see that. And I love that. And I think some of that stuff has already been there. Like these people use these number pools tools on their website and that helped, you know, like we've seen that stuff around. I'm it you and I've had a couple of email exchanges. We've had an actual conversation. Daniel gets an email, you know, your, you know, your system turns around and says, you know, um, okay, Richard's intent is probably at, you know, 55 or 60% based on these questions or based on this information. Like, you know, do we think we're there yet sort of in the funnel versus, you know,
1: the top of the funnel stuff? Well, how would you differentiate that from kind of what I was talking about with uh, what's the st- statistical probability of somebody saying yes I'll buy your product? Or is is that what you're saying?
0: I think maybe we're saying the same thing, right? Yeah. And and I just inter- I maybe what I heard you talking about was oh, based on this here's who you should reach out to. Um, but maybe that's not what you were saying and it's just how I misinterpreted what you yeah. said. So, um, and I do think that all that other stuff matters in addition to the conversation. 100%. Um, Ultimately though, it's gonna, it still comes down to that conversation. Like at some point it's like, okay, it looks like this person's doing these things. It looks like they're doing these things, therefore they should buy. But at some point based on the conversation you and I have as humans, that becomes a big deciding factor, particularly if Richard's looking at three other people, right? Um, so you want to know well, how does Richard view you versus some of the other tools in your in your space?
1: Yeah, I think we're not we're not super far away from it. Um, you need a lot of a lot of the big um, language models are trained of are trained on kind of everybody's information, not just an individuals um so so like knowing the best messaging for um, surfing sales to pitch a founder to get them interested when they're looking at other conferences, like would need some uniqueness to knowing what's worked well for you guys in the past relative to other conferences. Um That kind of stuff I think will be made more available pretty soon. Like the whole fine tuning concept is making it easy for anybody to create their own models or for a company like, like us to say, like, welcome aboard Adobe sales team. We're going to start training your, your own, model and your own messaging to be used internally. And I think that will uh, that's, what's going to kind of kickstart more of like the the predictive accuracy of the right messaging based off of uh, who who you're selling into or what attributes that they have. Um, But it's like, like right, even right now the, the content that a lot of, um, that, that we can produce and some other players like Jasper out there will be, if you had to match that with like a more randomized message, like it will be more statistically accurate and relevant to the person you're reaching out to. So like AI is already making ultra relevant content suggestions, but saying with, with more certainty that not only are we going to send this message, but this person has like a 50 or even if it was 20% chance of saying, yes, I want to buy, um, we're still a bit ways from that but not not far i'd say like yeah years maybe um well something what we're not
2: far from though is "quote unquote everybody or the majority of people utilizing a tool like autobound and and what i don't know that people have figured out yet is what makes one person a better user of autobound than the next so Richard and I are both on the Oracle sales team. We have used and purchased AutoBound. Why am I good at it and Richard?
0: First of all, let's correct ourselves. Scott, you're never gonna be good at it as tech.
2: Why people. is Richard so good at it and I'm not? Assuming we both are trying to
1: actually use it. How does one be better than somebody else at using the tool? Yeah. I'd say it's for the same reasons that even if you had no product at all you were just making cold calls you might be better at making cold calls than richard um and it, it would come down to like you you have a better process or strategy which we boil down to like you have better text like you say better words so that like he or she or whoever contributes to the best content on the system as the system learns what works and what doesn't and like the human influence definitely plays a role in that uh makes it smarter so that means I'm stuff like I'm asking better prompts.
2: Pretty much. It's that simple. Scott's better at asking better prompts, therefore he'll be a better user at Autobound and get better results.
0: Is it that Scott's better at asking prompts or is it that Scott's more willing to try different things? It's gonna be both, actually.
1: That's a great point.
0: Okay which Um, is
1: true scott is better at asking trying things than i am yeah so we we might give uh you want to write write an email to somebody (laughs) you click a button we give you five options um any user can just pick one option and that'll help the model because we know it's better than the other four um users who will have like more influence over the ai might say i will pick this option but i'm also going to tweak the message a bit or you Mm -hmm. know what it didn't include the fact that
2: so they don't just take it and run with it, they take it, review it, and then tinker with it, add a little bit of their own flavor or you know, make it a little bit more accurate, maybe things like that. You ever use like ways before to yeah, I tried that years ago and ended up giving up on it. But yes, it?
1: it'll it'll say like please uh please. And on your right, like tap yes to confirm if you saw this person or not. And those yeah. people will never do anything. Um, yeah. But still the fact that you're using the app and driving your car is helping their um, tech get better. But like yeah. whoever's saying, yes, I saw that cop and they were right there is making the system even more accurate. Um,
0: Which is interesting, too, because it's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do with all those ways points I'm getting?
1: <laughs> <laughs> press anything. Um, Nothing, right? It's but- like <laughs> it's
0: like ridiculous, yeah. which is also why I like Apple Maps better, because it also, Apple Maps tells you what to do ahead of time, which I love. But
1: uh, what this all kind of pushes towards, though, which I think is going to be one of um, the biggest. We're back in case
2: you didn't go anywhere. We did. Richard's Internet crashed right in the middle of Daniel's sentence. But we're all still here. We fixed it. We're not going to try to make Daniel complete his thought because it was like five or ten minutes ago. But we're going to try to wrap. Daniel, we usually end every single show by saying, how can we be helpful to you? What questions do you have for us? So take a minute here to think about uh, something that you might want to ask us. And we just want to thank everybody for listening to the Surf and Sales podcast and for HubSpot uh, for allowing us to be part of their podcast network and for their support. So, Daniel, what can we do to be helpful to you?
1: Great question. Um, How about this? What what is the the one subject line? If I what what is the one subject line that if I were to send you an email pitching you Autobound with, you would open up.
0: I hmm. will answer and uh, give full credit to our friend Ross Pomerantz for Corporate Bro, which. I asked him this question like a year and a half ago. I said, what's your favorite? And he said, your mom said, I should contact you. <laughs> oh man. Just oh, man. to get an open. Now you said just to get an open, that doesn't mean you're going to get a reply.
2: Oh, and man. I was like,
0: that's pretty fucking genius. Like, so kudos to Ross for keeping all of us sane.
1: Um, their yeah, their on life. that tangent, you could come up with a lot of other ones that I bet get you can higher open rates. It's <laughs> a good start yeah so you'd have to be careful because God
0: forbid someone's mother's passed away. Um, yeah. like they yeah let's let's make sure
2: we're not endorsing. I'm not gonna use that <laughs> but uh. yeah, I think other. other than the obvious ones that are are like, I want to hire you right now. um anything that really shows somebody knows me a, a little bit, you know, if you sent me a note that was like, like a uh, kind of pop culture reference, like the Dead Presidents, which has to do with the movie Point Break, that would like completely suck me in. I would know. I would be like, okay, that's pretty good. This guy somehow knows that Point Break is my favorite movie, and he's not just saying Point Break. He's like referencing something inside of Point Break. I would feel seen. That would probably open. But right. I love what you just said.
0: You would feel seen. Is that what yeah. you
2: said? Yeah.
0: Is that not the, That on purpose. It? Yeah. I, I think that's the definition of personalization. Does that yeah. person feel seen? Which I think was, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say it that way, but that was really smart. Yeah. I think that's a good way to describe it. Um, as for me, um, I'm such a, well, first of all, I'm an inbox zero guy. So, um, in most cases, I do read every subject line. Um, I'll tell you what doesn't work is starting with that RE colon thing. That pisses me off. I hate that too. That that doesn't work unless... Now, Daniel, if you tell me statistically, actually it does work, I'd I use it. Like I, I'd be okay. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't use it because I hate it. And again, there's a difference though between open rate and response rate. So that might get a high open rate but if it runs into people like Richard and Scott who are like, "F you," then that might not be the right subject. Yeah, um, I like that. I do like anything that references that strokes my ego. I don't need to. I don't need to feel seen quite as much as Scott. Um, I'm less of the heretic around that stuff. Um, but it could be because I I train to it a little bit, so I'm maybe I'm a little bit more. I don't yeah. know, compassionate or whatever, but. I also look at it and kind of go, ooh, is this going to be a good one or a bad one? Again, because I trained to it. So I'm looking for them. So I'm, I may not be the right person to answer that question based on a, a traditional salesperson.
2: Right. I, uh, All I heard was Richard's trying to end the show by saying he's more compassionate than me. But
1: that's, <laughs> that's, that's, oh, I heard. I've, yeah. I got one more question for you guys. Uh, am I the, and it's a small sample, I guess, am I the only person who actually reads every email I get that's sent from a person? So if it's like a marketing blast, I don't read those because it comes from an alias, like the company's name often, or like this person's marketing team. But pretty much every single message that makes it into my inbox, I will look into. Is that weird or do you guys do it yourselves?
2: I do that same thing, but I also think that we are massively, massively in the minority.
0: Yeah, we're. I, I know that- you know, The Scott very, kind of very, very
2: smallest
1: of minority, I think we're in. I don't know. I We're going gonna- think- to- I have this strong suspicion that most we're going to do a blog on this at some point that most studies around, and it's, they're done by the companies that pitch marketing and sales tech are a bunch of bullshit. When they talk about open rates and reply rates and use this or do that, this many words, many characters, this tone. Um,
2: Well, that will be an interesting study to pay attention to and read. So make sure that you hit us up when you publish on that one.
0: Yeah. I don't... I actually believe some of that data because it's, 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 it's a starting point, right? Like, so I have to take a look at that with a grain of salt and try to figure out if it's going to work for me because it might work in the context of if you're sending it to HR, but it's different if I'm sending it to the IT or the development department. So I don't need, to, I don't want to hear the, you know, 45% increase in open rate when you use this subject line, unless you can give me greater context. Right, because that's the piece that I feel like is missing. I think the data is out there. I don't know. Like that would that would come out in someone like y'all, where you can aggregate a lot of data from different places. That to me is what's interesting, um, and why you have to A/B test everything. Yeah. Cool.
1: Let you guys know what we learn, and that'll be a fun one
0: yeah I, th- I think that's that's a piece of it i also think too we're in the minority too because i don't know daniel are you an inbox zero at the end of the day how many emails are in your inbox i don't use uh I'm, no i'm not i've got if i look at your phone how many email how many commas are there on the emails
1: available is it one i, I use a bunch of filters and i i've got a shortcut for marking things as red easily so i've got Forty thousand emails in my inbox. Oh I've, God, I've read them all. Like, and they're they're organized in a way where like things rarely slip through the cracks. Listen,
2: you can't organize forty thousand no. of anything, dude. Oh, no,
1: thing is, you can. You just go about it everything. No, no, no that's not so. No, I no, am, no,
2: We we don't have enough time left in this podcast to unpack what Daniel just
1: dropped right now. Right. holy smokes and i've, I've yeah. built a career off making email efficient you should talk about it or sometime i'll teach you guys the thing. i'm more <laughs> happy to talk about it because what you're doing is not
0: fucking efficient and <laughs> yes
2: we,
1: and we really should have started
0: everybody no i'm just kidding so we
2: really should have started the show with this daniel show us your inbox we would have gone a whole do- another direction we should maybe next that, time not,
1: maybe we should answer start every podcast with it that's not a bad but bad point how do you go about managing your inbox that's an interesting one
2: uh, that is that would be a good study not a bad idea all right everybody thanks for spending some time with us daniel we appreciate it
0: thanks bud sorry for all the technical glitches uh daniel and thank you for hanging in there um i have no clue why my shit shut down so um and and also thank you to hubspot for putting us on their podcast network we really appreciate it daniel good to see you my man always good to see you and we expect to see you in may at Surf and sales right same richard yes, What's the subject line I need to send to Daniel to get him to respond with a yes? I'm coming to surf and sales, Scott. That's that's the message we should have asked Daniel a long time ago.
1: Yeah. Uh limited time. Um, last free ticket. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's pretty good. Well done. Well played. <laughs> well played. Thanks. Play. Daniel. bye, everybody. Bye. I'll yeah. See you guys.